You're about to listen to the IC News podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Please don't forget, our show can only succeed with your support. Tell your friends. Share the link around on social media. Leave us a rating and a review on whichever platform you're listening on. And while we have your attention, take a second to hit that subscribe button. That way, you'll get a brand new episode each and every Saturday. You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. Figures reveal that the UK economy shrank 20% in April as the country locked down in the face of the coronavirus pandemic. Chancellor Rishi Sunak says the economy is a grower, not a shower, and it's not fair to measure it on a cold day. A statue of Winston Churchill in Parliament Square is sealed in a box and told to self-isolate to avoid the spread of an honest accounting of all that bothersome India stuff. The UK formally rules out a Brexit extension with the EU, meaning the Conservatives will soon really be able to throw their hips into the effort to well and truly fuck the whole of Britain. And finally, Boris Johnson claims the UK isn't a racist country, before writing Return to Sender on another letter from Keir Starmer and accidentally posting it into a Muslim woman's face. Hello and welcome to another episode of IC News, where we'll spend the next 20 minutes desperately hoping that the network's irony shield can deflect any stray bullets from the currently exploding culture war. That's right, the world is currently on a Stalinist purging binge in the face of the ongoing Black Lives Matter protests, if your definition of Stalinism extends to private companies panicking about their profit margins being affected by their hosting of dated and slightly dodgy content. It didn't take long, did it? It's been two weeks, and we've already shifted focus from the tyranny of a militarised police force brutally murdering its sovereign citizens in broad daylight, to total outrage that one streaming service has temporarily removed a single episode of Faulty Towers. If only somebody had had the presence of mind to ask, but when will it end when we started pillaging and enslaving Africa? Maybe this whole miserable situation could have been avoided, and black and white people from all over the world could have come together to binge-watch Little Britain as one harmonious people. It's been a week of toppled statues and far-right counter-protests, as a feverish and definitely not racist Britain sweats its angriest gammons out onto the streets to throw Nazi salutes at war memorials without any shred of self-awareness. While the cry of Black Lives Matter continues to echo across the world here on Earth Prime, at IC News we're also capable of looking through the dimensional gate to see how it's rippling through the multiverse. We sent our newest correspondent, Shay Burnley, to a parallel Earth where all lives matter. Thanks, Sam. First of all, I'd just like to thank you, again, for sending the black guy to cover the protest story. I've got a master's degree in international trade, strategy and operations, and there's an awful lot to unpack on the government's recent backpedal regarding food standards in a future US trade deal. But hey, don't let my expertise get in the way of the network's optics. Sending me here isn't patronising tokenistic rubbish at all. Honest. Well, thanks, Che. We really appreciate that you appreciate our support for our brothers and sisters in the black community. I hate you so much. Sorry, Che, I I didn't quite catch that. Oh, sorry, Sam. I said, I hate you so much. Which I'm very much enjoying being able to say with willful abandon. 
you know, because you're pathetically desperate to appear like you're giving a voice to the black community, despite ignoring my actual value and skill set, which means that you can't possibly reprimand or fire me for fear of looking like a racist dick. I can hear you wringing your hands from here. Well, as always, we uh, value and cherish your unique voice as part of our diverse workforce. Thanks, Sam. I appreciate that. Now, for some reason, you've sent me to a reality that typifies the sort of tone-deaf bullshit that white people, left, right and centre, are coming out with to try and undermine the Black Lives Matter movement back on Earth Prime. Perhaps you'd like to clansplain why. Well, we all know that all lives matter is becoming the retort of choice for people reluctant to engage critically with their own privilege. I just thought it might be a good idea to see what the protests on a world that actually functions on that premise look like. Hang on, did you say clansplain? Well, what do you think they look like? There aren't any protests. Sorry, what? Well, what did you think would happen? I'm an Earth Romeo Delta come by R18. And here the value of all human life is universally respected. Slavery and imperialism are alien concepts here, so funnily enough, no, black people aren't protesting. They aren't demanding that white people walk back on their revisionist histories and instead evaluate the historical cost of their own culture. They aren't pulling down statues of human traffickers. They aren't doing anything. They're quite happy, because funnily enough, it turns out that when all lives actually do matter, black lives matter too. It's almost as if that too was always implicit, and any attempt to suggest otherwise was disingenuous bullshit. Oh, right. Um, so what about the police tactics over there? Not an issue. And that's probably something to do with the fact that a basic respect for all human life means that federal funding in this America prioritises equality of healthcare, education and opportunity across the country. That, in turn, means that whole communities aren't left to rot in poverty and the crime rate associated with such conditions never rises beyond a manageable level. The police aren't the first responders to every potential difficulty facing the citizenry, and as such, they're free to deal with legitimate criminal activity with the appropriate resources and level of force. And when they do intervene, the focus is on de-escalation and the preservation of life, rather than on dick-waving military-grade weaponry around. It's a bit like the defund the police movement back home actually argues for, if you can stop shitting your pants at the very idea of it for long enough to actually do a bit of research. So basically what you're saying is that... All lives matter would be lovely, Sam. Yes. Jay, you can't say that. It's racist. Fucking hell. Please, Lord, save me from the false sanctimony of white knight hypocrites. Sorry, what was that? You trailed off again a bit there. Nothing, mate. Nothing at all. Believe me, we're all far too used to not actually being listened to. I'm Che Burnley, reporting for IC News. The toppling of the statue of Edward Colston in Britain last week rapidly became a touchstone moment for the global protests, with America and Britain now forced to reconsider the glorification of their imperialist history. Statues are falling left, right and centre, while over in the States the President has apparently dug his heels in and decided that a full-on race war is the best way to get himself re-elected. Here in Britain, we've still got four and a half years of Boris Johnson left on our collective sentence, and he's probably wondering just how many thousands of people he has to kill to get a statue himself. This week, Danny Sutcliffe has the answer to that question, and he found it in the history books. Edward Colston. If you've been watching the news, you may have heard of him. He was a 17th century merchant trader, human trafficker, Tory politician and Bristol's first posthumous freediving champion. He gave his name to many Bristol landmarks, but in the face of a global protest movement, the city and the world are now taking a long, hard look at how some of our historical figures ought to be remembered. Today, I'm here 
walking the streets of Bristol and barely containing my rage at the amount of skin-tight red trousers I've seen in the space of the last hour. Edward Colston's history is our history, and before we judge him, we should walk a mile in his shoes. Time is a spiteful fog, and we must try to mellow our gaze as we look back through its impenetrable mists. Oh fucking hell, I've trod in dog shit. I've ruined his shoes already. Oh god, it stinks! <sighs> Edward Colston was born in November 1636 in Temple Street, the oldest son of William and Sarah. As a child, he often dreamed of overseeing the kidnap and enslavement of around 84,000 people, including 12,000 children. By 1672, he had become a successful trader, and as he rose through the ranks of the Royal African Company, he achieved his boyhood dream to obtain enormous wealth through the systematic plundering of an entire continent's wealth and culture. Between 1680 and 1692, the length of Colston's tenure with the company, 19,000 transported slaves were thrown overboard into the sea whenever they died or simply became ill. It was the howling anguish of these brutally murdered souls that would eventually spurn Colston on to try and buy his way out of hell with his many acts of philanthropy. Well, fucking hell, what did this dog eat? Following the natural and now long-established path for any public figure with a murderous lust for profit before people, Colston returned to Bristol and became a Tory MP in 1710. With no children's laughter in his life to silence the muffled weeping of shackled and brutalised human beings locked in the creaking hold of his mind, he had no one to leave his money to. Instead, he turned to charity. While the dreams and lives of countless thousands were brutally snuffed out in agony, their futures and their children's futures and their children's children's futures stolen and whipped and beaten out of them on the plantations. Finally, some wet grass. Fucking hell, this is like tar. <coughs> Edward gave Africa's money to schools, almshouses, hospitals and churches, buying prosperity and education for the people of Bristol with the immeasurable suffering of thousands. Then, 174 years after he died, his statue was erected in the centre of Bristol before being torn down last week and thrown into the harbour. Actually, that's an idea. I'm taking these fucking shoes off. That's better. So there you have it. Edward Colston, a man whose legacy, once you consider how any of his philanthropy was actually paid for, is as shitty as his shoes. Excuse me, we needed those shoes back. They belong in a museum. They belong in a fucking bin, you red trousers little knobhead. I'm Danny Sutcliffe, hoping there's a Clark's around here somewhere, reporting for IC News. Now, you can't have a good culture war without varying your targets. Some things in life, like the predictable cycle of bigotry, or the two-word phrase that Graham Linehan types into the search bar on Pornhub, are just imminently predictable. When people rise up to defend the rights of one minority group, it's inevitable that a timer starts ticking down to the media pulling focus to another. 
This week, it was once again the turn of trans rights. A celebrated children's author and 100% not an expert, J.K. Rowling weighed in on the issue. While it's important to point out that The Sun's front page on Rowling's abusive ex-husband yesterday was a disgusting piece of shit move by a disgusting piece of shit newspaper, it shouldn't distract from the potential of Rowling's own actions to do harm to an entire community of people. Now, we haven't heard from our demonic correspondent for quite some time, so here's Red Redmond with more. Thanks, Sam. It's a pleasure to be back reporting for the network, and not least because surviving a four-person house share in lockdown is draining and difficult enough as it is, without any work to distract you. And that's before you take into account I've had to spend months trying to keep the fact I share my body with a homicidal demonic parasite named Alan secret. It's not been easy for me either, you know. It's very difficult, maintaining this level of repression. In my own dimension, I was free to drift as a sort of malevolent mist and slaughter whoever I liked. Here in lockdown, all we do is masturbate and watch EastEnders. Jesus, Alan. Can we not share every aspect of our private life, please? I'm trying to work here. Sometimes at the same time. It's almost impressive when Phil Mitchell is all you've got to work with. Alan! Sorry. As I was saying, it's a pleasure to be back. What's less of a pleasure, as a trans person, on top of this demonic situation, is having to, yet again, make the case for basic human decency, because J.K. Rowling's decided to open her mouth. Last week, the Harry Potter author once again found herself in the middle of a transphobic Twitter scandal. She commented sarcastically on a headline that used the phrase people who menstruate, rather than women. When called out on it, she doubled down with a follow-up tweet implying that the debate around biological sex risks erasing the identity and lived experiences of cisgender women. Then, she put out a 3,000-word essay setting out her position and painting herself as the real victim in this debate. Depressingly, Harry Potter and the billionaire's spectacular lack of compassion and nuance has already gone viral across every form of media. Now, I'm not going to spend too long unpacking Rowling's transphobia itself, mainly because it's so fucking mundane, disingenuous, deliberately misinformed and commonplace that it's beyond tedious. I'll just point out one of the many glaring holes in her argument that she failed to address, which is that menstruation is far from the defining aspect of womanhood. If it was, that would mean your postmenopausal nana's been a man for 20 years, making your granddad a massive gay lord. Tell him not to worry, we'll welcome him with open arms. On top of that, there are plenty of trans men and people living in the many miles of clear open space between the traditional definitions of male and female, who menstruate too. Oh, and by the way, if you come at us on social media after this report with that it's just high school biology bullshit, we'll put a six-inch heel through your fucking eyeball. That argument implies that the scientific understanding of biology and sex ends at GCSE level. It doesn't. Stop reveling in your willful ignorance and read a book. See, even Alan gets it. And without my fleshy body, he doesn't even have corporal form. 
The reason why it's so very dangerous for a woman of Rowling's enormous influence to engage in casual trans erasure is that it plays into what is already an aggressive and dangerous cultural atmosphere for trans people. That she'd choose to do it during Pride Month in the face of a monumental worldwide protest movement seeking to highlight the suffering of minorities is so tone-deaf it's almost impressive. Let's not forget, this is not a woman who genuinely cares about LGBTQ representation, despite what she might claim to the contrary. Dumbledore only switched his lustful gaze from Wizard's sleeve down to their penises long after the books were already finished, and even then it was only in revisionist hindsight for the sake of throwing the gaze a crumb or two of focus. Rowling's lazy bullshit is petrol on a culture war bonfire that already burns trans people far more often than it does the supposedly oppressed majority who fear that trans activism somehow seeks to erase women's rights. It's the casual thoughtless sort of gateway bigotry that will lead some of her millions of followers to straw man arguments on single gender spaces and the false spectre of trans women attacking women in bathrooms. Rowling herself went all in on that argument in her essay, and it was as gross as it was rankly hypocritical. There's no reliable evidence to suggest that trans women are any more of a risk to cisgender spaces than cis women. In fact, Rowling herself is one of the very people guilty of it. She's the one who casually role-plays as a different gender identity, as she does it to commit crimes against literature when she writes as Robert Galbraith. But here's the really dangerous part. All of this is a distraction, and it's part of the narrative that opponents of trans rights love to hold up as evidence that one of the smallest and most brutalised minority groups in the world are somehow dominating the cultural debate. The opposite is true. Here in the UK, Liz Truss is unilaterally pushing forward with her plans to reform the Gender Recognition Act. And she's got her eye on stripping away the rights of transgender teenagers to seek medical treatment. She's decided, against the raft of clinical evidence and the objections of LGBTQ advocate groups, that young trans people should be prevented from making irreversible medical decisions about their own bodies. She's the fucking equalities minister, and she wants to relieve transgender teenagers of the apparent burden of their autonomy, despite the fact irreversible medical decisions are made by cis kids all the time on contraception, abortion and vaccinations. The rights and identities of trans people are being erased the world over, either through regressive legislation like we've seen in Hungary or through outright violence. Our rights are human rights. If you, or J.K. Rowling, can't recognise that, don't be surprised if yours are the next ones on the firing line. There are trans people in every community, in every possible place on the spectrum of gender identity. We don't have a fucking agenda beyond establishing our own autonomy and personal safety, and we have no interest in taking away cisgender women's rights. All we want is for our own rights to be respected and our identities upheld. And we don't want anybody judging us when we're exclusively attracted to women and still inexplicably find ourselves masturbating to Phil Mitchell. Sexual preference has nothing to do with gender identity, Alan. As well you fucking know. We are Red Redmond. Refusing to be pushed back into the closet under the stairs. Reporting 
for IC News. Oof, can't wait for the comments on that one. For now, though, Red's Peace brings us to the end of our broadcast. But don't worry, we haven't kettled you in here just for you to leave the protest empty-handed. Here's a rubber bullet fired directly at your head in the form of the stories you may have missed. Plans for all students to return to primary schools before the end of the summer term are shelved after someone finally explains to Gavin Williamson what two metres looks like by pointing out that it's the minimum distance that women have always kept from him. Joe Biden says the military will drag Donald Trump out of the White House if he loses the election and refuses to leave, but presumably not by his hair, because it would come off in their hands. Sony unveils its PlayStation 5 console by really stretching the credibility of the Spider-Man franchise, with a clip of Miles Morales swinging by American policemen without any of them shooting at his back. And finally, Sky News accidentally airs a clip of Prince Andrew when discussing a new suspect in the Madeleine McCann case, explaining that they just clipped the wrong video in the folder labelled nonces. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you and goodbye. You've just been listening to the IC News Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to help us spread the word. Only with your support, can we reach more people and build a larger audience. Every episode of IC News is written and produced by Sam Gore. Every week we feature guest voices from the UK stand-up circuit. Check out the podcast description to find out who you've been listening to. They're all very funny people, and you should check out their stuff. The IC News main theme is written and performed by Eddie French and the graphic design for the show is by Chunchy.com. Any additional music in the show will always be properly credited in the podcast description, so if you hear something you like, please check that out and support the independent artists who offer their work to shows like ours.